I'm not playing the short run, get rich quick game. I'm playing the 20, 30 year, 40 year game, which is a lot different game than the guy that's 55 is playing. Welcome to Bullish, where we talk about the journey and process to build ourselves and companies into multi-billion dollar people and brands. Currently, my business and investment funds have done tens of millions in revenue. And this is the documentation of the journey to scale to the billion dollar realm. All while we give back and do good in the world. My name is Bridger Pennington and welcome to Bullish. Boom, people. Welcome back to the show. As you know, I run a hedge fund currently. So our hedge fund is called Ugly Unicorn. I run that with Dan Young. Now I've been raising money for my business, my fund specifically since I was 22 years old. And I want to walk you through that story in this episode about this process of raising capital, especially when you feel like you don't have the credentials, you haven't gone to the Ivy League school, you didn't go to Harvard, you haven't been on Wall Street for 20 years or whatever XYZ degree or thing you need next to your name to feel qualified to raise capital. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs. I meet with a lot of people that tell me, Bridger, I, I would raise capital, but I don't have X, Y, or Z, which to their defense, I actually like that a lot. I, I think, you know, there are some people that should not be raising capital out there <laughs> for different reasons. But on the other side of the coin is, I don't think that disqualifies you fully as well. Uh, I think a lot of us get imposter st- syndrome where we are thinking, a lot of people I talk to are waiting for the magical day that, you know, they're going to inherit a million dollars and Warren Buffett's going to pick up the phone and call them. And then they're going to have this, you know, light from heaven come down and tell them you're good enough to go launch a big fund or a big business. And the reality is that never happens. Like for anybody, <laughs> the reality is people scrap and are entrepreneurs and hustle and just get stuff done until they slowly qualify themselves to become that angel person, whatever glory, like whatever thing you need to have. Funny. I talked to guys that just graduated Harvard, like literally gone to Harvard business school or went to Wharton or whatever. And they come out and they go, I still don't feel like I'm ready yet. I need to go do, I need to now get experience. I need to go now work for a, a big fund or a big company to gain some experience. Okay. And they do that for, then I talk to people that have done the Harvard, then they've done the experience. Then they still feel like they're waiting because their sister-in-law or grandma or somebody in their life need something. Anyways, I can go on and on. So in this episode, I want to talk about this. Last week, we went and met with a big family office, a multi-billion dollar family office, huge group. We have, I've met with them multiple times before. This is the first time we came and actually pitched. And family offices are funny. And, and we're, today, we're, today we're all talking about capital raising. Capital raising is for one of the four pieces of leverage for a business. I think it's crucial to have. In business, you have four pieces of leverage. Number one is capital, like I already mentioned. Number two is leveraging humans or employees. Number three is leveraging technology. And number four is leveraging media. Those are the four different levers that you can put on any business. So it's actually pretty cool. A private equity person will come into a business. Sometimes they very much lever media. Hey, we've got great access to all these media. Some people really lever technology. Our technology platform is going to come in. Some just lever capital to hire out employees or build technology or go pay for media. And so those are the four levers for business. So today we're talking specific about capital because... Like I just alluded to, capital is the, I think the most important of the four because capital can buy you the other three. Now, let me take you back to the family office. So I'm meeting with the family office last week and we, we step in and family offices are funny, by the way, because they're all very different. I've talked to a lot of different family offices. Some family offices have, and by the way, if you don't know what a family office is, family office is a wealthy family, wealthy enough to go and hire a team, investment professionals to run and manage their money for them. It's my definition of a family office. So most teams, like a family office at least usually has sometimes a CFO or a chief investment officer, sometimes an analyst. This is a team that looks through deals and invests in stuff on behalf of the family. 
Now, sometimes there's multi-family offices. So there's actually multiple families, like let's say five or 10 families that come together and hire a team of seven to 10 people to now manage the money for all of the families collectively because the cost of, you know, that's a maybe $800,000, maybe a million dollars a year cost just to pay the individuals their salaries to run your family office. You have, to, you have to have a significant amount of money to run a family office. Hey, hey, this is Bridger here. Hope you're enjoying the show. I've actually got some cool free gifts that I wanna give you guys as followers of the show. Now, as you may know, we've helped over 60,000 people get started in the fund game in the world of investment funds, private equity, hedge funds, venture capital funds. And so what we've done is actually we've put together a free course on funds. It's 100% free and just in full transparency, what you do is you just go on there, you go to fundlaunch.com, you put in your email. Selfishly, I want your email just so I can send more things to you, more podcast episodes, more other stuff. And what you get in return is our full course. I think it's 15 videos on investment funds, how funds are built, how they're put together, how to structure them, how to scale them. Even if you don't wanna build a fund one day, I think it's still really important to learn how funds are built and how they're put together. So that's a full free course you can get at fundlaunch.com. Now, by the way, for myself though, I have been running my personal family office since like day one. And I've, I've the, from the first time I learned about family offices, I've always thought through, okay, what if I was running a multi-billion dollar family office? How would I make investment decisions? How would I run my portfolio? How would I do, you know, my strategies in, you know, if I only have five grand, what am I going to do with my five grand? What's the best, you know, return on my investment? I like to run my life as a big family office. But anyways, back to the conversation. Family offices are all different. Some have just a pure investment team, which is like the family office I met with last week. They are, it's just separated. The, the parents, the kids are just totally separate away from the investment team. Some family offices very heavily involve the kids, which is called G2 second generation, and then some even fall in, involve G3, which is the third generation, which is the grandkids, which that can get a little sticky because sometimes, you know, the investment team loves your pitch or your fund or your business, whatever it is, but maybe the granddaughter doesn't like it or vice versa. Sometimes the, the son really loves your business, but the investment team doesn't like it. Anyways, it's a lot of, and they didn't get picked on the last deal. And because of that, they've got bad feelings between each other. And so this time they want to pick this, their deal because it's an ego thing. Anyways, it's, it's very interesting working with family offices. I've actually interviewed a number of people that run family offices on my show. And they talk about this at length. And it's very interesting to see the dynamics of a family. But this family house I was talking to was totally separated. So I'm, I'm meeting with the investment professionals. I met with one guy, he's an incredible dude. We spent uh, an almost two hours talking about crypto and our fund. We run a crypto hedge fund and how we do risk mitigation, how we do our audits and our third-party administration, how we do security, all this kind of stuff in our fund. And it was good enough that he was going to now refer us over to the other team out of Boston, where we now are, we're probably going to fly out to Boston, meet with three or four of them in Boston. And then finally said, if you guys pass the Boston team, then we'll do another meeting probably in Boston again, where the, the grandfather, the, the guy that made all the money will come and then the full investment team will be there. And then we will decide to write you a check or not write you a check. He goes, we typically have a three-step process for any investment we do in our family office. And I said, great, we're signed up for it. We'll hit you on the next meeting. And so I think it's good to understand, by the way, when you're raising big capital. <clears throat> so we went and met with this guy, but, and, and then the next, the following day we met with another guy and actually just in one phone call, 30 minutes, we raised a million dollars, literally a million dollars, uh, in about 30 minute meeting, which is pretty phenomenal. We've had a few feet meetings like that as well, where just people are ready to go. And we'll talk about that, all that stuff. But I, I take this back. It's crazy to raise a million dollars in a call. And we now manage an eight figure hedge fund at my age. And I look back and I go, huh, when I first started at age 22, the back of my brain, I thought, 
I'm not, and I wasn't, by the way, these were true thoughts. I'm not qualified. I don't have the Ivy League degree. I didn't graduate. I hadn't graduated from college yet. And I was trying to raise a small fund to do these debt deals. So I would go meet with investors. And this, you guys know my story, but I went and met with my dad. My dad told me, no, he said, well, I'm not investing. And you got to go learn how to do this on your, on your own. So I said, okay. And I went out and started to meet with people. And I really didn't have much coaching besides I was listening to podcasts. My dad gave me a little a couple pointers, but people would get on the, on the, in the meeting with me and they'd ask the same questions you'd probably ask me. Bridger, <laughs> why would we invest with you versus someone else that's experienced, has 20 years? Like, why you? You haven't graduated from college. I want to invest with somebody who has graduated from college. Why would we in, with, invest with you? I'm betting on the jockey. As a jockey, give me a reason why. And I heard a mentor tell me this, and this is kind of all building up to this. This absolutely changed my life. And it still changed my life because a lot of us have imposter syndrome, whether we are qualified or not, but in our own brains, we, are, we feel like we're not qualified. And what I learned was that we typically from our past and even where we're currently at is actually the exact reason why we can be successful at a job. That people who once were broke can help people who are broke. If you were fat, that's the reason why you can help fat people. The reason that you're unqualified and can raise capital is the, is the same reason that, that you can go out and raise the capital, okay? And so I would lean with the process of leaning into my constraints. So what I did, I didn't try to hide anything. On these calls, I would sit there and they go, I'd go, you're exactly right. You know what? I haven't graduated from college. But I go, let me give you a little scenario here. Why this plays to my advantage. I'm gonna, and I, what I did is I leaned into it. I actually said, I didn't try to hide away from it. Sorry, I know I could be more experienced. I'm sorry. I didn't say sorry to anything. I said, this is actually the exact reason why I'm successful. I go, if you invest with a guy that's 55 years old, he's already rich, already successful, has gray hair. Well, that guy has a certain level of lifestyle he's got to live up to. And he's not working, you know, he's, he's half retired at this point of his life. Why would he be fully working? He's got money and houses and cars. And so he's not working weekends. He's not working late at night. Yeah, if you lose a few percentage points, who cares? He's already a multimillionaire. I say, me? I'm young, I'm hungry. I'm gonna be working 24-7, weekends, holidays, all throughout my, like this whole thing. I, my whole goal is to make this successful. Second reason, the guy that's 55 has a lifestyle to hold up. He's got a big mortgage, big car payments, big helicopter, whatever he's got. He's gotta make those payments. He's got a higher propensity to commit fraud and maybe steal from the fund because he's got to keep up this lifestyle. I said, guys, I live in a $300 a month apartment right now. My food and groceries, I probably spend with gas $550 a month is my bare expenses that I really spend every month. I have no reason to commit fraud. I have nothing. Like I, I literally, and I, I have savings. I can, I can make that payment for months and months. I don't need to steal from them. I don't have a lifestyle to live up to. I haven't gotten used to going to the po whatever vacation spot or watching Netflix every night. I don't, I don't, I don't go on vacation. I don't do anything. I, this is all I do. I'm fully invested. If you invest with a guy with gray hair, great, but you're not going to get that level of commitment. When you pick up the phone and call him, he may not answer. I will answer. I will always get, be transparent. I'll be straight up with you. I'll tell you exactly where you're at the fund, good, bad, or ugly. And I said, my whole goal of this fund is not to, for me to be a millionaire or a billionaire. My goal of this fund is to prove to you that I can manage money. And I, my whole goal is to get you a big investment, a great return so that you brag to your friends and tell your friends you had a great investing time with Bridger and that when I launch multiple funds in the future, 
you and your friends will say, well, Bridger did good with our money before. Maybe we can get money down the road. I said, I'm playing the long game here. I'm not playing the short run, get rich quick game. I'm playing the 20, 30 year, 40 year game, which is a lot different game than the guy that's 55 is playing. And what's crazy enough is people said, yes, I, I would, that was the, I leaned into that. I would actually mid, mid pitch. I would stop and I say full stop. I say, I, I know you believe that I am, you think I'm too young to be in front of you talking to you right now. And nine times out of 10, they'd like nod their head like, yep. And I say, before we go any further, let me just talk to you why that plays to my advantage. And I, would, and I would spell out those things I just spelled out. And by the end, I said, I don't need you to bet the farm on me. Give me a trial investment. Give me a trial investment and I'm going to knock your socks off. And in six months or 12 months, you're going to be begging to put more money in this fund. Hey, hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Now, as you know, we don't run advertisements on this channel. We just spread this by word of mouth. So if you can, please rate and review the show. If it's benefited your life anyway, please drop that down below. I actually love reading them. I love seeing what people say and share and stuff. So if you guys can, if you, this show has helped you in any way, shape or form, please rate and review and share this with a friend or two that may benefit their life. We do this just to help more people understand this game that we're playing. Thank you guys so much and we'll get back to the show. And what was crazy is they said, yes, I think I pitched that first month. I raised a whopping $49,500, I think from seven investors. I think one or two said no, seven of, let's call it seven of nine said yes to that. And they still, they only gave me, it was like 10,000 hour checks. It was 20, you know, 15,000 hour checks in that range. It was very small check size, but it was enough to get started. They said, you know what? We can take a chance on this kid. My first group of investors, I got them a 64% return on their money which was phenomenal. So good a percentage return. I then launched my second fund. I did the same thing. I leaned into it. I said, okay, you gave me a trial investment. Let's, let's double down now. And people started to double down. They're giving me, I got a guy gave me a hundred thousand dollar check. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then the guy gave me $200,000 check, 250. I was like, holy crap. These are like real investments. And every month I was paying distributions and doing this. I ran this fund for about three and a half, four years. We raised and deployed millions of dollars out of this. It was a debt fund we ran. They were doing these short-term loans. They were producing very good returns. I was very transparent. I made sure every month we had a whole write-up on the fund. I would do phone calls with them. I made sure my investors knew exactly where they were. And we'd actually give distributions every month and our investors loved it. And then finally, we had a competitor. We had actually kicked out of the space. He came and actually gave us an offer and bought our entire fund, which was pretty cool. And so at 20, I can't remember the age I was, I don't know, 26 maybe, um, I sold that fund and had this good, good exit. And I was like, dang, this was amazing. And those investors called me back up and said, Bridger, tell us when you do your next one and we'd love to be involved. And I said, we're playing the long game here. This world of funds, the world of raising capital, you are playing the long game. A lot of people think you're playing a short game. Yeah, I'm just gonna get you a quick return. No, you're playing the reputation game for a long period of time. Do not underestimate that. And secondly, lean into your constraints. I would actually, <laughs> whatever the constraint is, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm fat, I'm skinny. This isn't just for raising capital, this is for everything. People count themselves out because of some little excuse in the back of their brain that says, I'm not whatever. And the, the thing is, what makes people great, especially in our day and age, is in spite of the constraints, they made it happen. In spite of getting in a car wreck and losing their family and, and all these things happening, despite that, they were able to be successful. In spite of Jamie uh, Kern, have you guys heard her story? She wanted to do a, a, an underwear business uh, for women's underwear. And she, she said she's, you know, just not the perfect model type. She's, you know, she said she's kind of big boned. 
she doesn't have this perfect model face and she'd go to these, these agencies and pitch them and they just laugh at her. How would someone like you be able to sell women's underwear in the, in the world of Victoria's Secret and all these things? And she went and she said, you know what? Screw it, I'm gonna do this. And in spite of her constraints, she became and sold her company for over a billion dollars, became a unicorn. Jamie Lee Kern, go look her up, incredible speaker. She's spoken on Tony Robbins stage, stages and Russell's and all these cool stages around the world telling her story to regular women. And she gets on stage and she looks just like a regular lady just walking around that you'd see every single day. She's like, guys, I'm not, I don't look special. I don't have any special hair or any cool things, but I built an incredible business. We sold it for a billion dollars in spite of her constraints. And what makes her a great speaker today is because of the constraints. Nick Santasanaso is a great example. He spoke at our event, become a good friend of mine. Spoke at our first event. He has no arms, no legs. He's like, it should be impossible for me to lift weights, drive a car, anything. And he, he's like, look at this. He throws, shows up a video of him driving his BMW around the parking lot, doing donuts. Shows him at the gym with The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson lifting together. He has no arms, no legs. Like, how is he lifting? How is he doing a burpee? How is he doing push-ups? Like how, and he goes, and what makes him a phenomenal speaker is in spite of his constraints of what he did. The great people of today built their businesses or themselves or their brand in spite of the constraints and actually the human experience and why we like to follow those people. And the reason we like to, you know, understand and be with those people and, and we follow them on Instagram and like their posts and stuff is because we understand their backstory and their constraints and where they came from. I would bet every single famous celebrity that you know, and I know that we follow and actually really like, not just someone you follow, but someone you actually like, like on like a public figure, chances are, you know, their background and you know, their story. And you somehow connect with that story. Something in their background story connects to something in your life as well. And you say, you know what? They're not that different than me. And they were one who went and fulfilled their dreams. And maybe if they did it, I can do it too. Too many people count themselves out because of these, whether they're real or made up constraints. And the American dream and the human experience is in spite of these constraints of what we can do. Raising capital is one of those things that people think is a big, and it's, 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 I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's just going to happen tomorrow, but what I'm saying is you got, you have got to start if you want to be great. You don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. And raising capital is a massive place in this, whether it's your business and one of those four pieces of leverage, raising capital can be a massive catalyst for you. And if you don't like the investor, if you get no's, if you get whatever, just go find new investors. Go find new people that will say yes. Right now, I am on the, we are on the road right now raising money for our fund. We're trying to raise big check sizes, you know, high, seven, high six figures, um, seven figure checks right now in our fund. That's not anything to do. And I'm 28 years old. But we've done this and I've built a career and I hope, it's funny, and sorry, I'll end with this. You look at the great people of today. People look at Ray Dalio, Warren Buffett. Did you guys know Ray Dalio and Warren Buffett started their first funds in their 20s. I, I believe Ray Dalio was 26. Warren Buffett was 28. They started with a pretty small little amount of capital from family and friends. And guess what though? They did pretty good with that little bit of money. And then it compounded a little bit more. And then it compounded to a little bit more. And then they both of them had kind of crashes and corrections. Things they made big mistakes, but they were transparent. They were honest. And then people said, you know what? Let's give them a little bit more money. And they compound and compound. And today, those guys are 70, 80, 90 years old. And you go, wow, they're incredible. These kings of finance. 
it's like they were just like me and you starting out. You look at Jamie Dimon. I mean, Jamie Dimon started out, he didn't get approved into his, he wanted to go to Ivy League school. He got, he got kicked out of Ivy League school. I mean, you look at, you can go, every single person has had their, their problem, their trial. They came from something, whatever. And it's the best thing is the human experience is in spite of that, they did it. And if you are on this process and journey, if you're a, a five out of 10, well, guess what? You can help the people that are fours, threes, twos, and ones. If you're on the weight loss journey, the business journey, the family journey, whatever it is, you have something you can share with other people. So I love doing, you know, whether it is online podcasts, one-on-one, whatever it is, you have an obligation, actually, in my opinion, an obligation. If you're a seven out of 10 on something to go and help the sixes and the fives and the fours and the threes and the twos and the one, you have an obligation to share and help other people along this journey. You guys are amazing. Hopefully you enjoy this episode and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Peace.